This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really, and even some non-sports cards too. On top of that, every raw card receives the same hand grading that collectors have put their trust in for over 15 years. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com auctions and check it out for yourself. What's up, everyone? This is episode 180 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. One thing that I've seen a lot of on social media this week would be recaps of some of the bigger auctions, you know, the Curry RPAs, the Warriors Triple Logo Man, and so on and so on. You guys know the auction recaps really aren't my thing. However, an angle I feel is not being properly addressed by these other people is the fact that at some point, these auction houses, or I guess more so the people that use them, are going to have to reconcile with the fact that they've hyped some of these cards up so much and unnecessarily over the last couple years. And I know some people call it marketing, some people call it promotion, you can call it salesmanship, whatever you want to call it. Just know that a lot of similar items that auction houses accept going forward will uh, inherit unrealistic expectations. And the end result could be very disappointing to the people submitting these items. Um, I think a great example of this could be the exquisite triple logo man that featured Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron. And it came on the heels of the LeBron triple logo. And in my opinion, it's a lot nicer card than the LeBron. But the auction house marketed this thing and told TMZ it could fetch $3 million. It ended for $1.7 instead, and that was with the buyer's premium. Now, I doubt the owner's actually upset with $1.7. They're probably in it much, much less than that. Uh, And I can't speak for them anyway. But if this was truly appraised at $3 million, that's a big difference. And um, this isn't just about getting one appraisal wrong. It's part of the bigger picture here and how items have been treated lately. So I think it might be a good time for everyone to just temper expectations a little bit, auction houses included. Not every incoming item has to be pitched as the greatest ever offered. Either way, these situations occur in cycles, and some people that are newer to the hobby maybe haven't seen this before, But now that you have, learn from it, store that information, and then you can probably see it coming when it happens again. And trust me on this, it probably will happen again. All right, that's enough market chatter from me. Well, it really wasn't even that. It was more about the people behind the puppet booth. Um, But as for the rest of this show, I've got a couple things in store for you today, including a conversation with Owen, aka Cardstocks on Instagram. He's rested and recovered from the National and ready to share his experience with you. Now, this week has been pretty hectic, and the day before we recorded, I told Mrs. Wax Museum that I needed some time to prep some questions. And she looked at me and said, well, that's nothing. Um, And she does not, in fact, listen to this show, nor do I expect her to do so. 
but um, she hears enough car talk at the house. And um, so I ask her, well, what do you think I should talk about with guests? You know, what do you think I do here? Uh, what would I ask Owen? And she proceeded to rattle off 10 questions or so as follows. How was your travels? Did you find any treasures? Was the city as trashy as everyone said it was? What was your favorite part? Do you prefer graded or raw? <laughs> Did you find any that would... Rate a gem mint 10. It's a 10, but it's off-center. It's an 8, but there's a crease down the middle. Did you go to trade night? What was the craziest trade? Well, I guess I'm making this a lot harder than I should, because even after I sat down and uh, hammered this conversation out, that's pretty much what I ended up going with, aside from the random grading comments that weren't really questions. And sadly, all of that was pretty much intuitive for her, uh, and it was still more informed than a lot of the, uh, what I would call the 18-monther content that we were subjected to for the greater part of the pandemic era. Uh, but I digress. Anyway, you can hear the answers to some of those questions and more in today's main segment, so you'll want to make sure to stay tuned for that. Okay, on to the mail. I've only got one eBay purchase that I want to talk about this week. It is a 2021-22 Crown Royale Hall of Fame gold patch of Dominique Wilkins numbered. 2 out of 10. And as you guys know, I've been piecing together patches for as many of the 76 greatest players as I can. I had a pretty nice Wilkins patch years ago, but moved it for some reason or other. You know, I figured someday I'd end up with a nice Hawks patch again, uh, you know, because when I think of Dominique, I think of the Hawks. Well, instead, I ended up with a Spurs patch and a die-cut one at that, a die-cut memorabilia card, which I typically stay far away from. So, why did I choose this one? You guys know there's got to be a reason, right? I don't just do things uh, randomly like that. So as with a lot of cases, it all came down to the patch. This was a gray material with a red, white, and blue patch. And you might be thinking to yourself, why would a Dominique Wilkins Spurs card have a red, white, and blue patch? Well, you have to think about when he played for the Spurs, which was only the 96-97 season, which also happened to be the 50th anniversary of the NBA so this patch is from the 50th Logo Man patch that they put on a lot of the warm-ups. They weren't on the jerseys themselves, but they were on the warm-ups. And Panini was using some of this patch. It was a pretty big patch in a National Treasures product years ago. Uh, and actually, I was able to identify the shooting shirt it came from for one of the bigger Dominique Wilkins collectors. And he then drove up the price on all the remaining pieces, and I couldn't get one of them. And he wasn't doing it to try and, um, you know, prevent other people from getting them. He was just collecting them. I don't fault him for that. But um, this must have been a tiny leftover piece. So when I saw it, I instantly recognized it and knew I had to have it for my 76 greatest PC. The irony of all this is that it's a 50 greatest patch and he was snubbed from that team. But anyway, I could go on and on about this. I'm really happy to have it. And I hope to have a picture up on my social media at some point this week so you can see it for yourself. Hey, it's Darren Herman, a.k.a. Midlife Crisis Cards, excited to be on the Wax Museum podcast. I am currently looking for the 2021 Topps Finest Basketball Steve Kerr cards. I am putting together the rainbow. I am in need of the green, the pink, the black, the red, and the superfractor non-autograph version, and just the superfractor in the auto. If you've got it, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. I'm putting together the full rainbow of Steve Kerr. 
You might remember when I chatted with Alex Connell and we talked about this specific Topps Finest set and, and I said, you know, it wasn't my cup of tea. And one of the great things about collecting is you don't have to like everything. There's likely someone else out there that appreciates the things that you don't. And, you know, I read a post on Reddit this week where someone asked everyone else, you know, what they thought about a particular set and, and then in turn what they should think about it. You shouldn't need other people to tell you what you like. And I told him that. So, you know, in this case here with our Collector Classified this week, this new finest set really resonates with Darren. And he's chasing the Steve Kerr rainbow. And it sounds like he has a big chunk of it knocked out already, but he could really use our help with these last few. If you have one of these cards or know someone that does, please reach out and let's see if we can't help track these down. All right. Before I move into today's conversation with Owen, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey everybody, Boston Steve here, the Northeast correspondent, checking in from the city of a winning basketball team, and you are listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Okay, so as you guys know, I did not go to the National this year, and as I've said before, I've said it several times, you know it, the logistics just weren't ideal for me, although I have to confess that Thursday night, I did take one more look at flights, but it, it just wasn't <laughs> in the cards for me. Um, for some people, though, the location was great. And that includes a guest that I've had on the show earlier this year, someone I'm excited to have back on. Owen, I know you've had about a week or so to recover. And if it's anything like my experience last year, that might not be enough time. So how are you feeling right now? Oh, man, the, the knees are weak. The calves and shins are weak. The ankles and feet are still weak, as you can imagine. Shoulders are weak, too. You don't think about carrying your backpack that whole time yeah so my shoulders are killing me sleep's been off but it was all worth it you know yeah it's a delicate balance because everyone says take your charger take your snacks take this and take that take some top loaders so you don't have to buy them but then you also feel the weight of that um now i don't know i haven't been to the atlantic city one was um i'm assuming there's a carpeted section and then there's a concrete section and the concrete was brutal in Chicago, is, is it that way in Atlantic City? The convention floor, I mean, I'm going to tell you, there wasn't much difference between the carpeted and the concrete. It was pretty <laughs> flat and hard across the entire way. But of course, you, you know, Tops booth has the nice plush cushioned carpet. So you could take a break every once in a while there. It wasn't too bad. All right. So I'm anxious to talk more national. I've already got a million questions going through my mind here. And that's about 90% of our conversation today, uh, maybe even 95. But the last time you were on, I asked you to weigh in on the state of the Timberwolves, your favorite team. And, you know, a lot has changed since then. So I feel like I got to ask you about that. Um, the big move, of course, being the Gobert trade. You gave up a lot to make it happen. But now that some time has passed, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? You know, initially for the trade, I wasn't too high on it. I've never been 
a huge fan of Rudy Gobert. I mean, I can acknowledge his talent. He's a great player, one of the best defensive bigs we've had in this generation, but just wasn't a huge fan of his style of play. And of course, losing Patrick Beverly is like a huge hit. Also, Jared Vanderbilt, one of my favorite players in the league. We had to give up him in the trade as well. Just a, a big offload for one guy. But after watching the tapes and hearing some more discussion from fans and stuff like that about how they think he's going to fit, and I think it's going to work out better than most people even expect, uh, even on the high end of things. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about the depth, but I, I think you guys are going to be you know, pretty good next year. And, and either way, it's one of those things that you kind of have to talk yourself into regardless. It's already happened. It is what it is. Yes, you gave up a lot of picks, but uh, as a team that's been drafting so much in, in history anyway, and, and those picks scatter and they go to other teams, it's like, you know what, let's just, let's just try this approach and see what happens. So um, I'm excited. I'm not a Timberwolves fan, but I am kind of excited to see where this goes. And, and you know, I love some Anthony Edwards. Um, okay. So as I mentioned in the intro here, we are going to talk about the national, the national was in an ideal spot for you. I think you literally drove there every day of the event. And, uh, I'm guessing that that allowed you to do a lot of things that other people couldn't do, especially, you know, if you wanted to pick up big items or whatever, we'll touch more on that later. But, um, knowing that you were so close, I want you to run us through your national prep. Um, and I should also clarify, this was your first national, right? Yes, this was my first national, and I just live about 30 minutes north of Atlantic City. Uh, I'm right on the bay, so I can walk down to the beach, look across the bay, and there's Atlantic City across the water. So I had plenty of time to mentally prepare myself staring across the water. At the a, a city. Different, from what I'm hearing, it was a different world there. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so the prep was a lot different, you know, I drove every day. So, you know, you've got to prep the whole car and then, uh, but also you get all that space and extra room to take stuff back. So, uh, it's not like being on a plane or being in a hotel where you have to figure out how much space I'm going to have to put aside for, bringing stuff back that I buy. I could just bring it back straight to the homestead every single day. So that was really nice. Um, the prep though, uh, not a ton of prep, mostly prepping my bag, um, which included my video equipment, the car equipment, uh, anything else that I needed, my notes and stuff like that. So, um, and then, of course, prepping cards that I wanted to either sell or, or trade, which I didn't end up doing much of anyways, but um, uh, always nice to have it ready for the PC cards, especially if you want to show them off. So you mentioned video equipment. So that was kind of part of your prep as well, is that you wanted to create content. Um, so what, what, were you, what was your thinking there? Like what platforms or you know, long form, short form, reels, what were you looking to do? Yeah, the, my uh, goal as it was my first national, I kind of wanted to document it not only for the people that follow me on Instagram and stuff like that, but for myself as well, mm -hmm. just so I could look back on it and see how things have changed. So I wanted to do uh, 
uh, a daily vlog every day for YouTube, a little bit long, like mid form, uh, 10 to 20 minutes. And that was the only real main goal. I had some side goals. I kind of wanted to do some other interviews and smaller videos for YouTube that I didn't just, uh, I just didn't get to because um, when you're looking at cardboard, man, time flies. It, it, I did not expect to have so little time at the show <laughs> to gather, you know, cause you're looking at cards in a bargain bin and 45 minutes goes by and that's, that's an eighth of the show. So you got to watch your watch when you're walking around the floor. Right. And you were there. Um, and I know not every day was a full day necessarily, but you were there five days. So, yeah. um, that that's hard for, you know, if, if you haven't been there, it's hard to grasp because you feel like that's a lot of time. But as you mentioned, there's so many booths. And if you sit and go through a box for 30 minutes, then, you know, you can't sit, you can't reasonably do that at every table. Um, yeah. or even a large portion of them. So uh, that's something you got to feel out in the moment and and that's hard to prepare for. So uh, feels like your plans probably changed a little bit once you stepped in the door. Oh, definitely. I had plans to make a lot more content, record a lot more. But once I started thinking about like, this is opportunity for me to sort of explore this national for the first time, do it for myself, there's going to be plenty of other years I can do this and make great videos. So let's just sort of focus on the experience and uh, getting the most out of it that I could. Yeah. I, and I think that's a kind of a good audible, like, you know, take the time to enjoy it. Um, I know I, I've gone in with in the past with art. Right, I got to do this, this, this and this. You, know, you heard my goals for Dallas. It, there was like three of them. And it's like, all right, mm -hmm. let's just do those three and try and keep flexible. So I'm assuming then you walked in. And the venue, I have not seen the venue personally, but um, it's got to be huge if it's housing the national. So what was that first feeling when you walked in? Yeah, the convention center, I mean, when you pull up, it looks like an airport. On day one, it was easier because you could actually get parking in the convention center. So um, kind of gave you a little and, false hope, right? Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Uh, it, it looks like an airport terminal. You see all the numbers. There's like 50 doors all along the side. And you're like, this place is massive. Then you get inside and it's even bigger. I mean, it was huge. And then the floor is, it's hard to take in as a collector, like the amount of stuff that's just on that floor. You can barely see from one end to the other. So it's, it's like kind of mind boggling to walk into. A little overwhelming, right? I, I know everyone says, don't get overwhelmed. Well, yeah. you know, easier said than done. It, okay. you know, you will get overwhelmed. That's fine. Just call an audible and, and go from there. Um, you mentioned the parking situation. So that might be something that, um, you know, while you had the advantage of having the car there, um, there might be some logistics there that you hadn't thought of or that caused some extra planning. Like, I don't know, you know, they used to do, I think the VIP passes had a parking pass. So is that kind of the route you went or how did you navigate the parking situation? So super VIP. Oh, oh yeah, semantics. there's levels now. Yeah, super VIP gets the parking pass uh, this year. So I just had the regular VIP pass. So on Wednesday, it wasn't very crowded. It was mostly dealers and like promoters and like VIPs that come on the sneak peek day. So 
you could get into parking at the convention center. But following that day, I came in Thursday pretty early in the day thinking I might get a spot at the convention center still. And they had already closed parking. There are three other adjacent lots that were already full. I had to park all the way at Caesars, probably five blocks away where they have basically unlimited parking there. But um, so it ended up being a nice little 15 minute walk to the convention center every day. But luckily, everybody else was parking in those spots, too. So you could walk with a big group of people, didn't have to take on the sketchy scene yourself. Right. Well, that's good. Um, and I heard, you know, that might just be a product of Atlantic City. I've heard there's not really the parking situations there is not great. Um, I know Chicago had some garages, but I have no clue if it was more or less than what you had there. Um, now, we discussed earlier that part of your national plans involved creating YouTube content along the way. And I watched all five of your daily recaps, um, which, by the way, kudos to you. Great job on getting those out. I think those were Thank up you. every evening. Um, which you kind of, as I'm scrambling, looking for a flight that I'm not going to take, uh, it was a nice <laughs> consolation prize to watch some of your coverage there and, and felt like it was in a timely manner. Um, so I'll redirect people there if they want the, you know, the full detailed synopsis of, of what you did. But um, let's kind of do an overview of your five days. I know we've kind of approached day one already, uh, but mm -hmm. let's do an overview of your five days and your goals. And I know you had a card maybe that you took for grading. Uh, some of that kind of stuff. I'm going to let you narrate this whole thing, and then I'm going to pop in and, and interrupt you and ask some questions along the way, if that's fine with you. Yeah, sure thing. So day one um, was the sneak peek day. I went early to go to the uh, the VIP reception. Um, and, and so this is at, is this like 4 p.m.? Is that kind of when all that starts? Yeah, well, 4 p.m. is when the floor opened to regular admission for the sneak peek. So this was starting at probably 2.30. I came for the reception, um, got to hear some people talk in the reception hall with all the VIPs hanging around, got our bags. And then at 3.30, they opened the floor to VIPs. And uh, the first thing that I actually did, you mentioned my card for grading is uh, this isn't included in the video because it's kind of an outtake, but I went to PSA to line up first thing because I wanted to get it done right out of the way. Um, and I stood in line and stood in line and noticed that everybody had their cards boxed up like they're ready to ship, even though they're just dropping off. And I thought to myself, well, that's odd. So I went on the PSA website on the one day that they actually had some Wi-Fi in the place. And um saw that I needed to package it up. So ended up hopping out of line and enjoying the rest of the day, went to the um, corporate booths on the first day. So mainly was looking to go to like golden PSA collectors booth, um, tops, Panini, upper deck to see the big cards, the big grails and um, just check out what they had going on. Tons of great corporate sponsors this year um they had a lot of free stuff they were giving away a lot of fun promotions and stuff like that uh i believe panini did very well in everybody's eyes this year with the black boxes and the silver and gold packs so i think people were pretty happy about that um and then what else did i do on that first day 
first, the rest of the first day I spent in the, in the dollar bins, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't even help myself. I wanted to just walk around and check everything out, but I, jumped right in, couldn't even help. Well, uh, you probably don't want to be hitting those on Sunday anyway. You know, I know some right. dealers replenish their inventory, but you want to get the first shot or as early of a shot as you can, because probably the dealers even hit them before you did. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I was, I was a little worried about that. And that's what I was thinking about when I was in line for PSA. I was like, you know, I'm missing a card right now that's sitting in a dollar bin. Uh, so I ended up finding my best find of the show on the first day in a dollar bin, found a 2004 tops finest Dwayne Wade red refractor number to 149. Uh, that was a dollar bin. It was about a, it's like a 50 or $60 card. So I was pretty happy about that. Um, yeah. 50 X. That's not bad at all. Yeah, no, not, not <laughs> terrible. Uh, made me feel good about the rest of my purchases for the day. Um, but that was mostly the rest of the day spent on Wednesday was bargain bin hunting, uh, just spent the day in the dollar bins that day. Okay. Um, day two Thursday, of course, spent a, a lot of my time trying to find a parking spot. So let me, let me interrupt later. you here real quick. So because your day one, then I want to just give everyone kind of a picture of, of everything because you go home and the work is not done, right? You went home and you edited your videos and as much stuff as you tried to have ready ahead of time, you, I'm assuming you probably spent a couple hours, um, working on those videos. So it was, you know, sun up to sundown. I don't know how much sleep you got, but, um, you know, that's what people need to get about these experiences is that it is nonstop. And, and even the people that stayed on site, they're probably in a hotel lobby somewhere swapping cards. Yep. They're at trade night at a hotel or even in the convention center lobby. They didn't close the actual lobby, just the floor. They only closed the lobby at like 9 p.m. every day. So you'd see people sitting on the floor <laughs> in the lobby trading. But yeah, I had to come home and edit all these videos, which um, luckily I've gotten into a bit of a science, so it doesn't take me too incredibly long, but I also have to work on those days that I come home some of the days. So, oh, okay. It, wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't it, even think of, I didn't know if you'd taken days off or what. So yeah, it's, for some one job I can, the other job I can't. So that's a punch in the gut to have to come home from <laughs> national and feet aching, go clean doctor's offices or something like that. So, right. um, but, uh, yeah, Thursday came in, um, with my PSA submission prepared correctly. So that's the first thing I did was submit that card to PSA. And that card was, a uh, magic bird scoring leaders, rookie, uh, from 80 tops, which is my grandfather's that he's had for years since uh since the late 80s i believe so he had it in a screw down i ended up taking it out surgically for him and (laughs) and we planned to get it graded this way so we would avoid shipping so um submitted that and then thursday and friday were completely spent bargain bin hunting in the dollar bins um i probably spent close to four hundred dollars and then they give you a good deals. You know, that's not 400 cards. That's like 800 cards because they'll, once you start buying in bulk, they'll start cutting up prices, which is nice to see. So I ended up getting tons of singles on that Thursday and Friday. 
Did you um, find that prices were clearly marked or did you have to do a lot of asking? In the bargain bins, for the most part, it's pretty clearly marked. And I tend to gravitate towards the ones that are marked $1, all of these cards. Right. So, you know, I, I, I tend to stay away from the unmarked bins anyways, uh, just because it, it messes with my margins. I can't, right. no, I so- can't decline an offer either. So it's, right. <laughs> it's a little hard for me. Was it a lot of like, uh, so I'm going to describe a, a dollar box that I see a lot. And I'm going to, mm. I'm going to ask if that was maybe what you saw or not. So it's like the, uh, the combination of like 1990 hoops, 2019 chronicles, illusions, optic mosaic, uh, and then maybe some new chronicles since then. And not a lot in between. Is that yes. probably 90% of what you saw, right? That's most of the bins. Yeah. And then you find the odd one out. That's like all serial numbered. Right. And it's like, Oh, here's some mid two thousands upper deck and old tops, uh, paper golds. Like, Oh, this is the stuff I want to see. Right. Yeah. So here's if you're going to sit at is. a booth for 30 minutes, that's the one that you sit at. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so you did a lot of that on Thursday and Friday, you said. Yep. Tons of bargain bin hunting. And that's for selling on Mercari. That's for selling on whatnot, uh, on drip and, uh, maybe even com C I'm not sure. Uh, I might be doing a submission soon there. Um, definitely thinking about, uh, bringing some cards in soon. So might just combine the, the two. Okay. Well, you mentioned it, so I got to do my, my read here. That's a great segue here. Um, I want to take a moment to remind everyone that this show is sponsored in part by ComC, by Check Out My Cards. ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all types trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 28 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers, perhaps like Owen, um, and ship them home together later or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. For more info, you can check them out on social media under the handle at Checkout My Cards. Um, did you happen to visit their corporate booth while you were there? Yeah, I did. Picked up some stickers, uh, talked to some people there, and uh, that was a good time as well. Yeah, I understand. Like they had, um, I, I wish I could have gone for this part. They had like scratch offs with different discounts and all sorts of things. And, and then they were taking submissions on site as well. So that might be something in the future if you're not linked up where you can just hand them stuff. Um, my Dallas stuff just dropped this past week. Most of it has already. And that, um, you know, I just, I feel like I just submitted that. So I'm pretty excited to get pricing on that. Yeah. I, I think you've already had some success as far as I've heard on, on that front. So I, that's good to hear. I did. Yeah. So just real quick, I, I shared with Owen um, and I'm the uh, Barry Bonds red parallel that I found in a dollar box at Dallas I got $200 for that on ComC. So very happy with that. Um, and that will go and fund some overpriced Pacers scrub, <laughs> rare scrub card, I'm sure. But um, uh, Jonathan can, Bender. Jonathan, a rare, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually my last order had a Jonathan Bender credentials number to 21. I'm, I'm sure that uh, this will make me feel better about a bad decision down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's kind of the way it works. That's like what you said with your Dwayne Wade, you know, like, after you find that $50 card or even a $20 or $30 card in a bin, it's like, okay, you know, in theory, I could buy, you know, 30 more cards out of this or whatever, and everything's on the house. Um, yeah. And even, even more than just buying the singles to make those flips is 
finding the free stuff at the show. There is an unbelievable amount of free goodies and cards as well to pick up that can be easily flipped. I could probably easily make my money back that I spent on the tickets and gas for that matter, just flipping the free stuff that I found at this show. Well, and, and you had the advantage, although you did have, you did mention you had to walk about 15 minutes, but whatever you could carry and get back to the car, um, you had the advantage of, you know, being able to take that. Whereas I've seen people leave stuff behind um, just because they couldn't carry it all and they have yeah. to kind of make sacrifices. Yeah. And that ended up being like multiple 1600 count two row boxes uh, of singles, free top loader boxes that I found boxes of UFC select that somebody had just thrown away from a retail rip. (laughs) So, you know, anything that I could get my hands on was coming back in the car with me. Uh, I was going to talk about this a little later, but I feel like now's a, a good time to go into it. You've got an approach to the hobby that we've touched on before a little bit. Uh, I don't even know what a good name for it is. I don't know if we would call it fractional or marginal or infinitesimal or whatever you want to call it. I, I said death by a thousand cuts earlier, but that's that's too negative. Um, but this idea that you can take the smallest margins on the smallest things and you do it so many times, uh, and it's not always the smallest, but you get what I'm saying. You do it so many times that you turn it into nice stuff or you turn it into experiences and you go on these apps like whatnot and Mercari and you mentioned drip. I don't, that's one I don't even know. Brand new. Uh, yeah. Brand new. Okay. So tell me about that real quick. Drip. It's basically, it's, it's like whatnot. It's a live streaming, um, selling app, same sort of concept, just different look. Okay. So you go on these apps and then you're able to um, kind of take, you know, like you found, you mentioned finding that UFC stuff. Well, you'll probably turn that into a tank of gas, if not more. Uh, and, you know, that's awesome to me. I love that. Um, all right. So you did your uh, promotion. You did the promo booths. You did your bargain bin hunting. Uh, I think that takes us, uh, you took your card into PSA, right? So that's yes. where we're at now. Um, yeah. So take us through everything after that. Okay, so the end of Friday is picking up my PSA reveal, which was a little bit of a disappointment. Went to the PSA booth. Uh, I hadn't looked at my grade on the email. I just saw that it popped up. Don't click it. I want to do right. the blind never, reveal. Yeah, never, never look at the grades ahead of time. No, yeah. Yep, and I, I was surprised, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I went in, and they had told me that it was uh, a, a miscut somewhere down the road. I know my grandfather's a good man. He would never do something like that. And he cares too much about it, but grandpa's not a trimmer. No, he's not a trimmer, uh, but somebody before him was. So um, we're going to see if maybe we can get it authentic. Um, But the PSA guy told me to try Beckett. So that's, um, (laughs) that's an interesting take there as well. No, I mean, was it, do you think it was actually trimmed or, you know, would you think it's just like, there's factory miscuts too. I don't, I don't think that it has to be anything nefarious necessarily. Yeah. And the fact that they're just grading so much stuff at once, right there live at the show, it could, it could just slip through. Uh, I definitely thought about that before. Um, but I mean, I'm just going to trust them for now. We'll see what the other graders have to say about it. And then, uh, Maybe we'll do a switch later down the road if if it actually ends up turning yeah. up on if, one of the other graders. If at first you don't succeed, try again, right? I, I just yes. posted a uh, a picture of a Luca RPA this week 
um, that Beckett has graded a nine three times, and then someone sent it to PSA and it got a nine. So I think, <laughs> Hey, I think that card's a nine if you haven't yeah. figured it out yet by now. Um, but maybe, you know, if Beckett doesn't work, try SGC, uh, maybe, you know, CSG, I don't know beyond that. Know. Uh, I'm sure HGA would slab it. I'm not going to, uh, well, <laughs> I'm not going to go any further on that because, uh, I don't need those messages in my inbox this week. All right. Mm. So um, you you got the unfortunate reveal, I guess, is what we're going to call it or lack yeah. of a reveal or whatever we want to, you know, because it wasn't what you thought you were getting. Um, broke the news to grandpa yet? Yes, I, I did. And he was he was understanding about it. I'm sure he realized the risks. So um, he's understanding and he's willing to do anything to get it to be graded uh, in the future. So we're looking forward to trying that again. But you didn't get charged, right? No, no charge. That was a great thing. Uh, okay. We did the $200 um, end of weekend service and it ended up popping in one day. I mean, probably because it was miscut, <laughs> but also I had heard people were getting it back pretty quick. Yeah. So, um, but they didn't charge us in, in the end. So that was so, good. Uh, on all things part. considered, not a, you know, not the result you wanted, but not a horrible experience because, uh, and I don't have a lot of ex- experience with that, but I would have assumed that you still would have had some charge of some type. So um, mm-hmm. kudos to them for not making you, uh, not giving you double bad news there. Yeah. All right. So that was um, pretty much toward the end of your, um, your time there. You had, I think you had one more day there. Is that right? Yep. Uh, I, I had Saturday was pretty Baron just more bargain bin hunting, mostly dimes and quarters that day. So that's when I brought home those big count boxes. Um, and then Saturday was also meeting Ken Golden, which was pretty exciting. Getting the Ken Golden rookie uh, gold autographed, which was one of the more exciting parts of, uh, of the weekend. And then Sunday was by far the most comfortable day at the national uh, uh, mentally for me. Um, I had already processed everything. So, and done my fair share of hunting. So I basically just walked the floor on that final day, uh, met some people that I'd been meaning to meet, uh, Grayson white from, uh, Grayson collectibles, um, Ryan card collector, uh, Mojo, uh, even Jeff from sports card investor. Why not meet those kinds of people, you know? Um, and yeah, on Sunday, it was pretty bare bones in there. That's when I got the most free stuff. People okay. just loading t-shirts and bracelets and stickers onto tables. Take everything you want. We got to get it out of here. So did you get up one of the Beckett shirts with the, uh, the not new slab? No, sadly not. And I would have loved to because that's probably the most iconic shirt of yeah. the national. <laughs> I actually, I saw someone post one of those and I kind of wanted to be like, Hey, can I buy that off of you? I kind of want one of those. Um, I, I just love random stuff like that. Um, all right. So, and I also like your optimism for the last day because I've heard a lot of people say, Oh, Sunday sucks because everyone's leaving and everyone's packing up. And you're like, no, Sunday's a great day to still be there but to yeah. unwind, to get that free stuff, to meet the people, the people are still there, you know, even yeah. though the, not all the showcases and the boxes are there, the people are there. Um, so that I really like that approach. I'd never even thought of it that way. Um, so maybe in the future, those of you, if you're listening, stick around for that last day, plan some of that kind of stuff for the last day, use that to 
wind things down. Okay, so speaking of of winding down here, um, you know, you you've had your experience, you've had your online recaps, your videos, and everything. Um, but I know a lot of what you picked up, you know, it, it's only that process has only started because of the way that you collect and the way that you turn things into projects and Mercari and all that kind of stuff. Um, we talked about your centers collection project the last time you were on, and I saw that you picked up some center stuff, including a rookie <laughs> of of my guy, Mel Daniels. So now that you're back and you have all this stuff and you've been wanting to make more collector content, where do you go from here? Um, all my platforms. So I've all the bargain singles that I've gotten, those will be being relisted on Mercari, uh, sold on live sales on whatnot and drip um, or eBay, even some of the singles, if they're high enough value or, uh, scarce enough, go straight to eBay. And, and then um, you kind of did too, but even prior to that, and I don't mean to cut in here, I'm sorry, no, no. but you also, you do kind of the sheep and the goats thing where it's like, here's PC, you know, all of these cards are PC, right? So that would be like the center's collection and stuff. And then here's the stuff that maybe will fund that down the road. will fund the stuff that I've already kept. So exactly. that process even is even before all that. Every, yeah, every day that process takes place. I've got the big stack and I separate them. PC mm -hmm. meant to sell, but yeah, you're exactly right. Um, tons of stuff just goes into binders, significant parallels, um, things that I think will have exponential growth in the future and significance to their time in the hobby. Those go straight into binders, straight into the closet. And um, sometimes I take pictures for Instagram, but a lot of the times they just stick in there. And then, of course, the projects that I'm working on, you mentioned the Center's Collection, pick up a lot of stuff for that. And that is the biggest process, of course, doing write-ups, making uh, video edits, doing photo edits, and uh, preparing all the content to be put into those pieces. But that's the most special part of my collection, so I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, and I really, I, I want to reiterate here, I appreciate the work you do on that, and I'll, I'll just... Uh, if I were to juxtapose that with, I, I put out a post this morning, I think it was a Sam Jones card and the, the caption was, here's a Sam Jones card I traded for, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to your Mel Daniels post, like there were paragraphs. Um, so I know there's some thought and some real work that goes into that. So, um, you know, a lot of people just look at pictures and videos, you're missing out. Uh, read the information as well, because especially on the stuff that Owen's working on here. Um, well, that's probably a good segue to close out on because I want to give you a chance to run through all your profiles and everything. Um, you know, oh, and this has been a lot of fun. Also, thank you so much for coming on and, and recapping the experience and being the boots on the ground, so to speak. Um, I want to give you a chance to formally plug everything, though, in your social media handles. So these next few moments here are yours. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, yeah, you can catch me on Instagram, Cardstocks with a Z. Um, from there, hit the link in my bio and you'll find all the links to all my significant marketplaces and other things. And then of course, like Kyle said, follow at centers collection on Instagram, it's the magnum opus of my collecting PC and what the focus of my collecting career is going to be on. So love to have as many eyes on that as possible to help me along the way. Um, but mostly just appreciate you having me on again, Kyle. It's been great to talk to you and love coming on the podcast every time, meet new people and make new friends every single time I come on here. So 
Well, I appreciate it, Owen. And we'll get your, I'll get your YouTube links up. I'll get your, uh, I'll hash, I'll well, hashtag what tag sinners collection. I'm still, I'm new to social media. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'll <laughs> tag your social media and do all that fun stuff. Remind me if I haven't, but we'll make sure that get to get that information out there. Thanks again, Owen. Thanks, Kyle. All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Owen for taking the time to come on the show and give us his recap of this year's national. Maybe there was something we talked about today that resonated with you. You can find his social media handle in the title. Likewise, you can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast or on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. <laughs>